TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. One day I was talking to Lipa and he says, Shlomi, can you take me to Baghdad? I wasn't sure what's Kurdistan, what's Iraq, what's Baghdad. I didn't know the differences. But I wanted to go to see the essence of Talmud Bavli, where it all started. And obviously I said, of course, it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And eventually the time, right time came and we went. In the midst of all this exciting, dangerous trip, we get this idea of, um, we decided to go through the entire Shas. Obviously we couldn't go through the entire Shas because it would take years, but Rav Mata Frank gave us this idea that we can go through every Masechta, a little bit of every Masechta, sort of like a Tekken Lashavuos, and that way we can go through the entire Shas. And then Shlomi shows me the Masechta Megillah, with beautiful words, how beautiful it is to learn with the song, and to learn with, uh, with the Nigga. And he took one look at it, and he was like, this has to be a song. Rabbi Yochanan teaches us in the Gemara. Hakuire, b'loi ne'ima, v'shoi ne'b'loi zimero. U'lov ha'kusiro y'mei. Z'gam ani nusati lohem, chikim lo'i to'ivem. And that's uh, Lipa Shmelsi heard it singing in the background. He is a Hasidic superstar. He went to Iraq together with Shlomi Zanz, a 27-year-old Hasidic Jewish writer, podcaster, and YouTuber. He's been over to 40, over 40 countries, including Saudi Arabia. Lipa Shlomi, thank you for joining us. Good vach. How are you, Lipa? Baruch Hashem, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Long time we haven't spoken, but I see you become a world traveler. I, first of all, yes, we didn't speak in a long time, and uh, I don't know if about a world traveler. The truth is, in my singing career, I was a world traveler. I have been a world traveler for many years, but this is a new type of trip. It's a whole new uh, level. It's a whole new idea, and uh, it's uh, even scary and dangerous and exciting at the same time, but it's, it's something else uh, under my belt to accomplish. I think it's an accomplishment. And I think after the fact, I don't regret that I did it. But I don't know if I would do it again. Well, how did you end up in Iraq? Tell us about it. What's the procedure? It's not your typical, you said you've been over the world. I know you have. But typically you haven't been to Iraq. You haven't been to Iran, to some of these countries. So how did you end up there? So uh, one day I got a WhatsApp from Shlomo Zainz, who is, uh, I think Shlomo is making a big hit to Shen by being involved in all types of interviews and and uh, taking risks to uh, show that the world has more positivity than people initially think. For example, uh, Middle East countries. And um, I, 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 I'm working on an album called Bab Lipa, which is taking Gemara stories and turning into songs. And it's fascinating for me that uh, the Gemara, as we see it, and people learn it in Israel, we look, we think like some people draw in the Haida today, Moshe Rabbeinu, they draw Moshe Rabbeinu with the Strymo. Well, there's a long history until we got to the Strymo, the black hat, and a huge part of our Jewish identity comes from Iraq, from Bovel. That's hence, Gol of Bovel, on the heart of Bovel. 
and the Yiddishkeit as we know it, I can say that most of it, uh, if not, uh, you know, more than half, stems from, I didn't me measure it exactly, but stems from Google, from Iraq. So one day, Shloyma sends me a WhatsApp that he's in Kurdistan, which is the more safe part of Iraq, and he is by a caver, and they're playing a song that I have in my album, So I told him, wow, where's Kurdistan? He says, Iraq. I said, I one day maybe want to go there. He said, why? I said, I'm working on a new project. I'll explain it to you. And then when he came back, I met him by Elish time with my friend Mechel Sevetoyer, and I told him that we should uh, try to go. But I have a very busy schedule, so he came up with the idea. Maybe in the three weeks when there's no weddings, I can go then. And the rest is almost history. We went back and forth. I How did you get in there? There, you know, it's a dangerous place. How did you just? Did you have to apply for a visa? What uh, was First the procedure? Of all, I'll let me explain also a little bit. Basically, I had to apply for another passport because my passport couldn't be stamped from Israel, with an Israeli stamp. And plus, my payers would give away that I'm Jewish. And even one of the, some of the listeners may think that, that even if I cover, if I put my payers behind my ears and I put on a hat, that everybody would recognize me as a Jew. It's not so true because if you go to the Middle East country like Iraq, where many people don't even have internet and they don't know how a Hasidic Jew is supposed to look like. So if you do a little bit right, then you dress up enough, then it's good enough. But yeah, I had to make a, a, a passport and Shlomi was busy arranging all these things. He's very good at that. He does trips for people personally who hire him. And... Um, that all was taken care of, and he hired security. So you had to get a, you had to get a regular passport. Was it a fake passport? What kind of passport? No, I had to get a regular passport, but I had to sign a, an agreement with the government of why I want to have two passports with the same name, and what my business is, and why I'm doing it. I had to fill out the whole form, and close to the end, it was almost the whole trip went off because I had to make the passport by a certain date. And when I went for this like the interview, they wanted me to. To bring certain papers from my company to prove everything, but I show I show them like on the internet. I show them what I do, my entertainment. I said it's not like a company that I'm working for a bank. It's it's I'm singing. It's a very unique situation. I'm making an album. I'm going with the news reporter. It's a project. So they call the supervisor, and they let me have the passport for two years, which is shorter than a regular passport. In order not to void my old passport, so I had to go. Uh, I had to make sure they don't void my old passport because. Two days later, I went for a show to Israel for the Levachat, and I, I had, and I couldn't go to Europe because of all the COVID things. I came back to New York for eight hours and went to Israel from scratch. Left the other the new passport home and dressed up regular like Lipa and the Hasidic, you know. And then I went to to Israel. But uh, that's the short version. I'll let Shlomi happen a little bit also. Yes, yeah, Shlomi, tell me logistically how it all went. So, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, Lipa, it's good to see you. Um, basically, Lipa needed a new passport. The, the U.S. State Department allows people to have two passports at the same time for special reasons. Either if you have stamps of Israel in your passport, um, that could be problematic if you're traveling to Middle Eastern countries. So, they'll grant you a second passport. Or, for example, let's say you need to go to Russia and you need to get a visa to go to Russia, so your passport ends up in the Russian embassy for three weeks. In the meantime, you have to travel somewhere else, so they'll give you a second passport. So that's what we arranged for Lipa to get a second passport. We did not need to get uh, visas to Iraq. There was a visa upon arrival. 
which uh, we were a little bit skeptical about if they were going to issue it to us or not. But, and but it was the second slide. They almost stopped us because they said there's no such a thing. We do need to have a visa beforehand, but anyway, go on. That's right. Yeah, when we were, getting, when we were in Turkey on our stopover on the way to Baghdad, they told us there's no such thing as a uh, visa upon arrival. They didn't want to let us board the flight, and then they let us board. And when we got there, we did get visas. So it was relatively simple once we were there. Did you get kosher food on the flight to Baghdad? We did. He did, okay. Um, well, what airline did you fly on? <laughs> Turkish Airlines. Turkish Airlines, okay. So you got there. So it's funny because I went home with the, I went home, I went home from, it's an interesting question, uh, because I went home now from Mexico, from a PESA program, from Mexico with United, and the whole flight was Jewish. Maybe they had one million of non-Jews because we all came off from, came home from PESA programs, and we didn't get kosher food. <laughs> they gave everybody food. The 10 people, they gave the non-kosher food, but... We didn't get the kosher food because for some reason now with COVID we don't get the kosher food. But Turkish Airlines did give us on the way to Baghdad kosher food. And that's very, very interesting. Now, when you got to Baghdad, were you wearing a Hasidic outfit to the pay? No, no, no. So you ready? You ready to change in the plane? In Turkey. Okay. You changed in Turkey. So for this, so the flight from Turkey to Baghdad, you're ready. Were in non-Hasidic garb. Non-Hasidic, like the regular uh, American news reporters. So is that what you travel on uh, as American news reporters in Baghdad? Is that your official title that you were there? I didn't. I don't know if I had a title. I mean, um, a title for whom? We came. We came as tourists. Came okay, as tourists. So when you got there, what was it like? Um, I assume you couldn't find any kosher restaurants in Baghdad. No, don't. I made a whole article in the army. I spoke about the one thing I ate. Which, uh, I ate a codfish. Which is only I had to throw in my. Uh, there was a whole thing if you could eat it or not because the fire is made by non-Jews. Slimy didn't want to eat it, but then I remembered that that if it's a big fire that keeps on burning, like a, like an old-fashioned oven with wood, if you throw in a little wood or something, then you consider it also like you enhance the fire. So I was muttering myself to eat it. Slimy wanted to hear from a rough, and um, and and until the rough called him back, it was two hours later. So he gave up on the fish. I ate the fish and I had a crazy, crazy stomach ache for like two weeks. Until I called Shlomi ten days later, I said, Shlomi, I've really been to Israel and back. I'm back in New York. I'm still carrying this fish. So <laughs> lucky. So no, there was no kosher food. Now, how many times did you end up going to Baghdad, uh, uh, Lipa? No, only one time. Only one time. But Shlom, you've been there more than once, right? Or just Not in Baghdad. I was in Iraq earlier. I was never in Baghdad before. Never Baghdad. So when you went there, did you feel self-conscious about being Jewish? Were you afraid that people were going to find out who you were? I think we both had different reasons to be worried. Obviously, Lipa's a very, very famous person, and you have millions of people watching his music videos. So there could be a chance that, that someone will recognize him. I have a quite a popular YouTube channel, and a large part of my audience is in the Middle East. So I was also worried that I might get recognized. I was actually on a flight to Afghanistan a couple weeks before that, and I was trying very hard to stay low-key, and somebody came up to me on the flight and said, aren't you that Jewish guy from YouTube? And it really freaked me out. So I, I, we were both worried about this, yeah. But thank God no one recognized us. And just to make a point, because it could be so hard to believe that someone in the Middle East could ask Shlomi if he's the guy from YouTube, you have to understand that a lot of his clips have Middle Eastern content. So in Iraq, this didn't happen, but before, like he said, and previous, if someone confronted him and asked him if he's the guy from YouTube, that guy meant a compliment, but it's still frightening. I was, I, I, I was very frightened. Now, I backed out of the whole trip uh, 15 hours before the trip. I really backed out, not just to make, I, I, I called Shlomi, I said, I told my kids I was going to go to this crazy trip. 
and it's impossible I'm going to go. Uh, first of all, I went to the government's website, you can all go now. If you go now on the website of the government of the United States, every listener, you go in and you Google, I want to go to Iraq for America, Google, can an American citizen travel to Iraq? And you'll see that the government's website says, do not travel to Baghdad and you can be kidnapped and every American is a target of being kidnapped and it will tell you that the government office in Baghdad is closed. So I saw that and I'm thinking to myself, God forbid if something happens to me, what will people think of me? That I don't have, I have zero achrayas, I have four kids and uh, just went, went to Baghdad. On the other hand, I spent 10 grand already invested in this trip and uh, from security, travel and stuff. First of all, Shlomi was saying, don't take any security, because he said that if you take a security guard, it can make a red flag. Just be like a regular citizen almost, it's easier sometimes. And although he has a point, I was still afraid not to have a... Well, aren't there many American tourists going to Iraq these days? Exactly. And uh, we look different, you know, it's a different skin tone even, you know. And um, I was afraid. But only, we, we did, the security we got was more like a taxi driver security. And then if I, if I find out that he has a malicious family... That's like saying that's like saying that you go to Israel, Lahavdil, to separate. Yeah, you go to Israel, and you tell someone when I go to Meisha Arem, uh, because I'm a big Zionist, Zev Brenner, I I need security. And then you have a driver who tells you that his brother-in-law is uh, someone blau from Mishmer Sasnias. Like I'm getting this driver who tells me that his family is from militia. Militia are the people that if they find out I'm Jewish. Or an American, there's no chance I make it out of Iraq. But did they ask you if you were American or when you were there? Oh, so I ca- when I came down, when I came over the flight, the first thing, so Shlomi was taking care of the tour guide and this supposedly um, security. Just to, to make it clear, the security, what we're talking about, uh, I made fun of it. But this guy is driving around people of the New York Times and, 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 all, and, and international newspapers. And that's his job. So he knows how to smell. Security doesn't have to mean he has a gun. He knows how to, where, where, where to go, where not to go, what to say, where not to say. And point being, I said something um, for, for, I can't say the real name because they can, they can really be in danger. But I said to the tour guide, if, uh, something along the lines, I think that's what I said. I want to be very careful. I think so. Something about Israel, I, maybe I asked if I look enough um, Arabic or if I look enough, like not from Israel. So this guy, this other guy, the, the driver that, that takes around the New York Times, the supposedly security guy, is asking me, are you f- very quiet, like almost like, are you, from the, are you from the tribe? I said, yes. He said, he, bends, he goes closer to my ears, he said, never ever mention this name again, not of, the, not of the tribe and not of the country, until you're on the airplane on your way back, for my safety and your safety. And that frightened me very much. And then um, we go to the car, we start driving, and I'll let Shloimi tell you what happened when we drove away from the airport. So just before, I don't even know if Lipa knows this, but the, my original tour guide who, who we hired said that he has this friend who drives around reporters to the New York Times, and he's armed, and he has a gun, don't worry. At the end of the trip, I said to the guy, you know, can I see your gun? He says, what gun? What are you talking about? So I think we got taken for a little bit of a ride. With uh, literally security, because we paid a few hundred dollars a day, and then he was a, he was a driver. But he was like, no gun. He knows what to do, what not to do, whatever. It was <laughs> kind of uh, you know. <laughs> but anyway, we were leaving the airport. Uh, first, as soon as you leave the airport, there's the spot where uh, Qasem Soleimani, who was the Iranian general, 
that got assassinated in the United States in Baghdad. So literally on the highway, there's this spot of, there's like a, a concrete wall on the side of the highway, and there's holes in it from shrapnel. There's a gigantic sign with pictures of Soleimani and other martyrs and says, we'll never forgive the blood of our martyrs. And then on the left side of the highway, there's his car is still there on display. It looks like a, a dish of spaghetti, completely mangled and tangled, but it's there. Then a couple miles further down the road, all of a sudden we saw missiles flying in the sky, and basically you had a armed drone from the Iranian militias trying to attack the U.S. Embassy, and these missiles are literally coming down in front of us. And I, I, I tried to apologize to Lipa immediately because I told him, like, you know, these things never happen to me. I don't know what, uh, what, why this trip is different. But wow. it's funny, I have this tendency, I always tell people that everything I do in my life, you know these people you have, I'm sure everyone, we all have these type of friends that they say, I don't care, I'm not afraid, say whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes, when show comes, you know, it comes to show, then they get so frightened. I think I'm a little bit the opposite. I take very precautions and everything, rethinking what I said, what I did, to the extent that it's above normal, and I'm afraid very much before, but when I undertake something, like this bomb was flying above my head, in front actually, like front of the windshield, and Shlomi was asking me, how do you feel? I didn't answer him because there was no right answer to this bomb, but I was kind of, whatever happens, I, I, I made all this calculation beforehand, and uh, um, you know, I really, there was a point I was thinking I'm not coming back to the US, and um, the, the thing is that it was a big risk. When I called Shlomi, this is almost comedy, and I told him that uh, I'm, not co I'm not going, so first he was like a politician. He said, okay, whatever, well, Lipa, don't worry. Well, then he probably he told his wife already that he's going for a trip, and he probably had his suitcase packed, and he bought some Nimaks, salamis and stuff. By the way, I have a friend, Heshi Wise, who helped me a great deal many times, and he works with Nimaks, and I couldn't... But, could, but you couldn't bring any Nimaks salami in, right? No, no, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't ask him for free, but I couldn't tell him about the trip, so I couldn't say anything. So Why couldn't you I tell people about the trip before you and they were? If you told you Hasidish your friends, they weren't going to tell the Iraqi government you were coming. I know, but first of all, we, was, we were going to give out this interview in, 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 in the army to be, you know, to be open. That's also from a business perspective. We, we wouldn't get to blow the whole story before circus. And also, if something goes wrong, if something doesn't work out, even for safety, I don't know, somebody tweets out something, leap was in Iraq, I don't know. You know that every, even now on my YouTube, I have comments, I have, you can go. There's, there's some Arabic language comments. It, it, the world is a, very, is a very small world today. And if somebody tweets, two Jewish people went to, to Iraq, the guy, the tour guy told me he saw my YouTube clips. Of course, he only saw it after the fact when he knew that I'm coming and he, he, he went to look for it. But he told me, don't say a leaper. He says, in any... Like, this is the open conversation we, we had openly. He said, if you're being detained by any kidnapping, anything that happens, don't say your name so they can't Google to see. Uh, but you, but can, they, can they see your passport? So the passport, I only showed in the fit when I no, came. No, but you carry your passport on you. Had you laser gone from it? says laser Oh, that's laser, okay. So they said I should say I'm laser. So they said, are you having any other passport? I said, I don't have a passport, but my father comes from Budapest and my mother. So they called me Laser the Sheikh from Budapest. And they said, in case, in case somebody sees my passport, I could say that I also have an American passport, but I haven't all tell. I have my my uh, Hungarian, uh, you know, identity. So, so, so I told, I told Shlomi, I'm not going. 
Then he calls me back. He leaves me a WhatsApp, actually. I still have it. I should look through it up and play it now. He says to me that if Nachman says the whole thing, that if, you, if you're meant to go to some place and you're not going, God may bring you there in chains. So I told him that Nachman is like a Gemara. I can find the tenor of Nachman that's going to tell me not to go. <laughs> <laughs> but you can end up in chains by going there, too. Yeah. Before, we, before we break, did you actually film the music video in Iraq? So the singing part of making the song where I have the hat, is in Kurdistan, Iraq, because obviously if I tell you I was so afraid, and then you see me in a music studio in Iraq, so it's a hocus pocus. No, Kurdistan is like the Tel Aviv of Israel. Kurdistan, you know probably the politics that the UN doesn't recognize as a separate country, but it's really a separate identity. And over there they love Jews. So over there you can go, I mean they're still an Arabic country, it's up to you, but I'm saying it's more safe. And over there I went with my payers down, and I... I saying, and this is filmed in, in Iraq, but it's a different part of Iraq. It's like a different land, different president, different everything. In Iraq, I was just doing from the car to the hotel. The car went to the hotel with security, like where politicians stay, with, with my tour guide and the so-called security to the places where we needed to visit, back to the hotel, nothing, nothing by myself, even not for one breath. We're speaking with superstar, Hasidic superstar, Leeper Schmelzer. He was in Iraq filming a music video about the Talmud Bavli. Shlomo Zions was with him, a 27-year-old Hasidic Jewish writer, no, podcast. I went to Iraq not for the music video. That idea came to me over there. I went to Iraq to connect to Bavli so I can now work on music that's going to be based on stories from Bavli. But you didn't, go, you didn't go with the idea to make a music video? No. I went to connect with Amaruam and Tanuam, and then there, the last day, I asked the tour guide if he knows the studio in Kurdistan. So I composed the song, they bought three players, and it was a whole mishmash. I came, when I got the files, I saw it's like a whole mishmash. I reproduced it here with Geshe Schwartz and sent it to Israel to make music with David Taub. So it has now Israel, Iraq, and America in, all, in, in one song. But then I, I also composed about ten songs over there that's all going to keep on coming out, yeah. We're speaking with Lipa Schmelzer, superstar. He was in Iraq, and you heard about his experience. Shalom Rezion accompanied him, a Hasidic Jewish writer, podcaster, and YouTuber. We welcome our city. We have listeners this morning in Germany, Australia, England, and Russia. We welcome all of you. You can call us. I hope you, you, ha I hope you have some from America, too. <laughs> it goes without saying. I don't have any from Hungary, though, and none from Iraq yet, but I'm expecting by the time we, we finish our broadcast tonight, maybe we'll get a couple Hungary, from yeah, Iraq. From Iraq right now. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll accept it. If you want to be go with, uh, with, with Lipa for his next trip to Iraq or Iran, <laughs> you can call us right now. We're going to be right back. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Here is your host. From here we learn 
In other words, I would imagine that you learn from here that if you do learn Gemara with Tanigan, you would bring a tremendous Talik Rachni Takutish Baruch to yourself. When I learn Gemara with the song, it brings me freedom. I feel it enhances my, my, my learning experience. And that's Lipa in Iraq. Lipa Schmelzer, superstar, is our guest. He just got back uh, from Iraq a number of weeks ago. Very interesting undertaking about which line he's on. A 27-year-old Hasidic Jewish writer, podcaster, and YouTuber who travels around the world. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hills. You have a question or comment to our guest. Go ahead, Stan. Yes, uh, gentlemen. I'm getting a feedback, uh, Zev, a little feedback. I'm sure you're going to give them a lot of feedback, I'm sure. Go oh, ahead. No, I'm talking about the phone first. <laughs> Go ahead. Get that. Uh, gentlemen, I understand you have dual citizenship, is that correct? No, 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 I don't. I have only American citizenship. But well, I then the question, uh, okay, then, the, okay. I'm a Canadian I, as well. I have dual okay, citizenship. Okay, then, the then the question I have to ask the two of you is, what the hell were you doing in Iraq? I mean, your, your music, what were you doing there, and why did you go knowing that at any time you could have been taken prisoner, and obviously you are very lucky, but if I was the embassy, I never would have got you guys out because you had no business being there. What were you doing there other than this video? Why did you take your life at risk and go to Iraq? So the truth of the matter is, that you're saying it uh, very clearly in the face as it is, and the truth is that I don't have a proper answer. You don't have a proper answer? No. Once I'll, I will tell you the reasoning why I went, but I don't think it justifies, justifies it completely. Um, I went because the original Talmud Bavli was written in Iraq, and I figured because there was no Jewish people for so long, and it, it may be a good thing that to go there, to, to, to back to the roots where the Talmud was written, especially now when I want to work on a project of rewriting many stories of the Talmud in Yiddish, I wanted to experience it. But I'm not sure... You wanted to experience it? If uh, what if you experienced, if they kidnapped you or, 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 uh, uh, or tortured you? I mean, that catastrophe, they don't want you there. You're lucky you got out with your lives. I mean, yeah. I don't understand your thinking at all. I mean, I understand your musicians. Uh, you want to go somewhere? Go to Mount Sinai and go up to the hill where no, where Ten Commandments are. Maybe you'll get a, 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 some kind of an idea there. But why Iraq? It doesn't make sense. You're right. And uh, Paul, <laughs> right. I don't know. I know you're right. And I did a lot of precautions. And when I planned the trip, I had no idea how really dangerous it is. Only a night before the trip, I, when I read the website, I realized that uh, the, the, you're talking about the embassy not to save. The embassy is closed altogether. They bomb the embassy every day now. So there was really, if something would have happened to me, I mean, that would be, you know, catastrophic. But of course, I also took, I, I, at least in my hopes, I thought I'm taking the right measures. I took a security and a tour guide and dressed up like a full-fledged Arab. But, um, yeah, it's still not uh, maybe justified. Okay, Stanley, I appreciate... 
Go ahead, Stan. You have a quick, quick. We have other people waiting, so just tell us uh, any quick uh, final. Uh, are you guys going back again? No. I well, probably I'm glad to hear that. Okay. I'm not Good going back. I'm not going back. Shlomi says he will, but I will tell you that Shlomi needs to make life assurance. And behind the scenes, I'm working on it with him because I told him he has kinderlich, and he has to make life assurance. But I don't know if the life assurance will pay if he goes to Iraq. But I want to just tell you one thing that a week later after this whole thing happened, no, not a week, on Sukkot actually, I saw that people, officials from Iraq are reaching out to Israel to make, uh, to, to, to sit at the table for talks. I said maybe some energy, if I believe in energy that the universe is all one and we create each other and we create good things, you know, that God wants us to, to bring people together, maybe, maybe that all happened because two Jews were there now, all of a sudden you see Iraq, they want to reach out to Israel. Now, it's not like Dubai, because they have a lot of tribes. One tribe can want to reach out with Israel. The other tribe may want to slash. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I thought you had something to do with that. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I did, without even knowing. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your phone. By the way, did, did you get, uh, did you ask any Rabbanim, any Gedolim, any Rebbes about going? Um, yeah. We asked one. Uh, I'll let uh, Shlomo take this over. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been traveling to countries like this for a couple of years now, and I always discuss it with Das Torah. Um, for myself, personally, this is literally my livelihood. I'm a journalist. I travel to places that people wouldn't usually travel to. And there? I've always gotten the green light from Rabbanim. They do tell me to take certain Hello? precautions, etc. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we did ask Ashila. We were told to proceed with it. And I can understand why people think that it might not be, be a good idea. But uh, I'm sure Leap will understand when I say this that there are certain things that just feel right. And it's, it's a thing, it's a passion thing, it's an instinct thing. You can't really explain it, but it felt like something we needed to do and we did it. Okay, let's go. I think is this David in Brooklyn? Go ahead, David in Brooklyn. Or is it Eliyahu? Okay. Uh, David in Brooklyn, are you there? Oh, hi. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Your question for Lipa. Hi. Hey, Lipa. How are you? Uh, I just mentioned a couple of things. Uh, I married, I had this schoolist to marry an Israeli woman, and her parents are from Baghdad. Okay? Both her parents are from Baghdad. And I found out recently that her father survived the pogrom in Baghdad. I didn't know they had pogroms over there. I I'm think... I'm Ashkenaz, but my... What? I believe it might have been during World War Two. Was there a program? I'm trying to remember. There was I definitely. So, yes. But there was definitely one. The Yerushalayim went to Baghdad, and he was the ally of Yimachshem Hitler, and he inspired a program in Baghdad. I found out my father-in-law survived the program in Baghdad. And then the other thing I want to say to you it was a, just like there was a big aliyah from Yemen to Israel. There was a big aliyah from Iraq to Israel. There was a big, big aliyah from Iraq to Israel also. There was, of course, of course, like, of course, they all went up, they, I think they're now there's only like two Jews left, and they didn't want to meet us, they were afraid, but, um, yeah. of course, there was a big, and it's interesting, Pesach was by a program where I met, I, I spoke about it, and one, somebody came over to me that she grew up in Iran, okay, she's not even an older woman, she probably, I, I didn't ask, but I would say 30s, you know, and, yeah. and, and somebody, another one told me he grew up in Syria, so we have a lot of people in New York and Israel between us that look like regular businessmen, but they all come from these countries. 
And of course, if you ask, so there's two sides of the spectrum. Some people will say that because of the founding of the of Israel, the Medina Israel, that that enhanced the terror against Jews, and before that they lived in peace. And other people will tell you that there were pogroms even before that. So that debate I'll leave for the politicians. Anyway, thank you for your phone call, David. I appreciate your call. Okay, sure. Gavach. Okay, I believe we have Tzvi in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Tzvi in Brooklyn. Your question for Lipa. Hello? Yes, Tzvi, go ahead. Good Vach. Uh, good Vach. Is Lipa there? Yeah, go ahead. Your no. quick, quick question, because we, uh, we're, we're watching yes, the clock. Yes, Lipa, I heard, I heard about your, your trip to Iraq to connect with the Bobley and everything. I just wanted to tell you that um, I'm sure you saw it advertised. I'm sure you saw it around. This amazing, amazing safer. It's called Introduction to the Talmud. And they came out with it in Lush and Kaidish. It's called Mavel Talmud. And explains all the Myron Tanaim and all their stories, their greatness. You get to see a little glimpse of who they were. And in Mamash, it changes the perspective on Tama Bavli. When you learn Gemara, you, you talk. It's a total different, it's a total different experience. You get to, you, you realize who these people were. And it's not just you're reading the words, you're reading the people. You get to, you get to, to Mamash understand a little glimpse of who they were. It gives you their history and everything. I just, I thought that, you know, on your whole project, you, 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 this is what you're working on. It, it, could be it's worth it for you to take a look at this safer. I will. Thank you so much. I will, order, I will order it online after the show, and I'll stop learning it. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much. You're going to really, really, really enjoy it. Hey, thank, thank you for you. your phone call. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. Lipa Schmelzer, superstar in Baghdad, and made a music video in Iraq, and he was accompanied by Shlomi Zions, a 27-year-old Hasidic Jewish writer, podcaster, and YouTuber. Hi, this is David Gabe, and you're listening to The Zev Brenner Show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now your host... That's Lipa in Iraq. I guess they haven't heard Yiddish there in a long time, right, Lipa? You keep on starting from the song from the introduction. You got to go in the middle where the beat starts kicking in. <laughs> right, we'll, 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 we'll get to it. Okay. But we have uh, so, some email questions for you as well. And we're, we're, we have to have you back because this is a fascinating topic. People really enjoy it. AI writes, Shavuot Tov is a great show as usual. The obvious question is, is that Israel has not stamped passports in over 10 years like very many countries around the world. So what are they talking about? Israel gives you a small copy of your entry permit with your photo instead of stamping your, your passport. So once again... Yes, no, I saw, maybe I didn't express myself right. I couldn't go to Israel the next day. I had a show with a stamp from Iraq. My visa, the, in the passport is my visa. The full-page visa for me being in Baghdad. And if I come into Israel the next day saying, uh, and they open up a passport with a huge page from Iraq, they may also stop me and, and question me. You know, it happened to Shlomi in the past. Yeah, I have an Israeli visa in my passport, therefore I need to get another passport. So I have one passport that I don't show the Arabs, one passport that I don't show the Israelis. Okay, so that answers your question. Here's another question. So, uh, Lipa, any new albums in the making? That's what Ari writes. 
We're just talking about this now for the whole show. I guess I'm beyond working. beyond the Iraq album. I guess that's what he's looking at. Yeah. So so I'm working on an album called Bav Lipa. It's going to be a full fledged album with a lot of money invested in it and a lot of uh, great, hopefully, art and talent and creativity. And uh, it's an endeavor. You see, I look at life. I mean, everybody looks at it hopefully this way. It's a very short lease we have, and. I want to try to make a difference, not only making another CD with a great song of a horror or a disco or a wedding song or a chuppah song. I want it to be something fulfilling that leaves something for this world for the years to come. And uh, this YouTube place will outlive all of us, you know. So this is one of the many ideas. I have like 20 ideas lined up. This is one of the ideas that hopefully will be a, a little game changer for people who don't like to sit and learn all day or they're not yet there. I have a rabbi center from Israel tells me that the good answer to answer people is without arguing. And that's the truth is that I'm not yet there. It's okay. Not everybody's yet there to learn all day. But if, if you listen to a good Lipa album, which has, which has content of the lives of Amiruam and Tanuam with beautiful stories that no one ever yet made songs of, the reason I'm saying no one ever made songs of is like, for example, there are songs about Hillel Azokan being on the roof. There's songs about Rebbe Kiva um, getting married to Ruchel, leaving the whole business behind and going to learn. But there's a lot of stories that are untold, and a lot of stories that uh, deserve to be a song and a beautiful song. And even this video that you keep on playing here is about, from the Gemara, that learning with the song enhances the learning. You know, it, 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 that it, it could have a deeper shot. It could be it talks about Pashto Minachzarka. It could be it talks about... We have to learn Torah with the song, and I have my own shot on why we have to, in the olden days, learn Torah with the song, because the written word was not written yet. So in order for you not to make a new shot, a new idea, you have to really go with the song. The song was the writing of the Torah. But that's a whole, let me not get into too deep here. For me, it's if you, if you bring stories from the Gemara to life through, with songs, it's a beautiful gift for the world. And that's what I want to do. Music doesn't make any money today from CDs. You can't, I call it a project. I call it project because the CDs, is, it's gone. But the soul of it is not gone. And people today, when I was younger and I needed an MBD CD that came out 15 years ago, I had to take over the dust from all the place of kitchen things. Maybe I hid it over there. Today, and that's already a plus. I'm giving to the other side of the coin. People can have full libraries of MBD songs and free songs in Spotify and iTunes, they have a full collection of Lipa Schmelzer songs. So this is called in Hebrew, Mitzchias. It's a Mitzchias, you think, you make a song today, it lives on forever. And that's why the project has to be good. And that should answer also for Stanley. He is right that I took my life to a place where I shouldn't, you know, it's a dangerous thing. But it's something that's Mitzchias. I went to Eternal. Iraq to be in a place where 800 years... We had yeshivas, and if I may, if I went into a whole rant here with Toyota, let me say that we're just coming out of Sukkot. Sukkot is the Dina's Ara. It means a, a, a house that, that, that tomorrow is not a house. It's like a small nothing. It's like camping. But the whole life is like camping. Because we had yeshivas in Iraq for 800 years, that boy's side. Are you starting another yeshiva in Iraq? Yeah. Now there's not even a stone. I know, I'm saying, you want, you want to start a yeshiva there? No. But what do you see from this? That the wisdom of a person lives on. The change that you make in your friend's life. If you can save your friend from something, if you can make a change in your friend's heart, then he will have better children. The children will have better children. And you're changing thousands of lives. 
We have about so 30 seconds left to be back. Help for that better show also. I, I loved it. I, I love having you on. We have to have you back more often. People really interested. Your career here is going through. It's going through. It's getting stronger and stronger, right? Things are moving very well, Baruch Hashem. Tomorrow I have two gigs, one in Montebello, New York, and one in Park for Shmira. And can I know how I'm doing a lot of good things? And that's why you asked me I should come more often on the show. In my, you can call it Leap 2.0 or my new Gilgul, whatever you want to call it, my life is about my career and music and singing and my family, which means that for 15 hours a day, I don't talk. My phone is not closed for seven, eight hours a day. My phone is closed. And if, if like in the, the end of the summer, I was busy more with status and stuff. Now I calm down with it. I have to focus on my music, focus on my rochnis, focus on my personal growth. And I can't be busy on the phone all day. And I wish I can come to Zev show every week. But my voice will not be able to handle it. I have. Well, to we have to have you more often. We haven't had you on in a year or so. So we're, we're it's okay. You, you, Baruch Hashem. We, I enjoy what you're doing. You're very creative. People should watch and get your music. Thank you, Lipa. Thank you, Shlomi Zans, for being with. I want to ask one question from you, Zev. Yes. Do you see my point that I say that for 800 years there's yeshiva in Iraq, and now there's nothing there? We live in America for 75 years. We think we have everything, and hopefully it should continue. We, we Jews have moved. We're, we, we keep moving from place to place. Yeah, isn't it interesting that people... But, you know, also Bubble, also where the Tower of Bubble was also... Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy that we're not talking about 20 years, 800 years. 800 years. We're out of time. Thank you, Lipa. Thank you, Shlambi. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. One day I was talking to Lipa, and he says, Shlomi, can you take me to Baghdad? I wasn't sure what's Kurdistan, what's Iraq, what's Baghdad. I didn't know the differences. But I wanted to go to see the essence of Talmud Bavli, where it all started. Obviously, I said, of course, it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And eventually, the right time came, and we went. In the midst of all this exciting, dangerous trip, we get this idea of... Um, we decided to go through the entire Shas. Obviously, we couldn't go through the entire Shas because it would take years, but Rav Mata Frank gave us this idea that we can go through every Masechta, a little bit of every Masechta, sort of like a Tekken Lel Shavuos, and that way we can go through the entire Shas. And then Shlomi shows me in Masechtas Megillah his beautiful words, how beautiful it is to learn with the song and to learn with uh, with the nigga. And he took one look at it and he was like, this has to be a song. Rabbi Yochanan teaches us in the Gemurah 
From here we learn. In other words, I would imagine that you learn from here that if you do learn Gemara with Tanigan, you would bring a tremendous Tanig Rachni to Kodesh Baruch Hu and to yourself. When I learn Gemara with the song, it brings me freedom. I feel it enhances my, my, my learning experience. Yeah. 
Studio. Nog een, 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 nog